Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Why do pirate ghosts always go to the club? Because they want to drop some booty. That's an excellent point. But it's also because they're always on the hunt for booty. Why not both? (laughs) It's spoop hour. Oh, God. We broke Maxwell. Oh, no, there's a flaw in the AI. Oh, God, we have to restart him. (laughs) No. Welcome to Spoop Hour. <laughs> that was like five <laughs> was... dad jokes in one, like mega, like Voltron dad joke. You're welcome. Oh <laughs> That's what you could expect when you listen to Spoop Hour, a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. But then also Maxwell. Yay! Hey. This is Courtney. This other voice is Sasha, the one I'm pointing at, but you can't see her. Maxwell can. Do you want to say something, Sasha? Not a visual medium. <laughs> no, not a visual medium. Sasha's just going to be silent the rest of the episode. <laughs> Is she even here? We just don't I am know. Here. I'm just really happy <laughs> we're that all, we're all here. We're hanging out. If I you, mean, here yeah. on the internet. If, if you saw my tweet, or if you saw Spoop Hour tweet, I, there was a post about us Skyping with Maxwell. Aww. And then I retweeted it from my personal account and just like talked about how amazing technology is because... Maxwell's in Australia. We are in Virginia. We're making it happen. It's 6.30 p.m. on a Thursday in Virginia and 10.30 a.m. for Maxwell on a Friday. Yeah, so like across (laughs) time, across space, we are Skyping and basically it costs just the price of an internet connection. What's the future looking like, Maxwell? amazing. Um, I regret to inform you that everything is literally on fire. (laughs) I knew it! Yep. That's fine. Because this content is literally on fire. Yes, Maxwell is safe. Maxwell is safe. Yes, he I'm in Sydney, alive. so it's... Mm. You get the, you smell the smoke, though. When you walk yeah, outside, yeah. you smell the smoke. If you can, I'm going to just hijack your podcast. Please, yeah, if no, you can just don- donate $2 mm-hmm. or whatever to any of the donations to the uh, Rural New South Wales Firefighting uh, Wildlife. Mm-hmm. You can just Google it. Um, that's That would be great because, yeah, 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 Australia really needs it right now. Um, we'll post a link when we post this episode yeah. th- to encourage people to donate. Now is as good a time as any to say, I've been feeling really guilty about collecting Patreon money when the world is on fire. So this month's Patreon donations, congratulations, those are going to go to the New South Wales firefighters or another reputable Australian mm-hmm. charity to fight the wildfires. Yeah. So There is a clothing a designer who does like very limited drops. She did a like a raffle mm-hmm. so that everyone could donate $5 to Australia and then be entered into a chance to like win a free product of hers but I think she ended up raising like a thousand dollars that way for Australia because everyone was like shit I want something from your store man if you guys are interested in doing that I will totally we'll We'll give you stickers well well, here's what we'll do okay send a screenshot of your donation to a reputable Australian charity I'll let you choose it can be one of the wildlife ones one of the firefighter ones a general wellness whatever send a screenshot of that we'll send you a sticker and we'll enter you 
I will buy you a Spoop Hour t-shirt Ooh. from our Tee Public store. How about that? How about that? So, so we'll, we'll randomly those, raffle. We'll write those details out. Yeah, I'll put in that writing. in the episode description. <laughs> Tomorrow, Courtney is going to be like, I don't remember saying any of this. I'm just kidding. It'll be fine. You're drunk. So... <laughs> drunk on everything. It's fine. Send us a screenshot of your donation to one of those causes. Yeah. And then if only one of you does it, congratulations, you want a Spoop Hour t-shirt. <laughs> if more than one of you does it, we'll, you know, we'll do one of those like flippy coin things online. And then congratulations, somebody's going to get a t-shirt from our Tee Public store. T-shirt of your choosing, I should say. Yeah. It can be Chonky Cryptid. It can be Logo. It can be podcast or not a visual medium. You choose. Anyway, Maxwell, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, hosts Relic the Lost Treasure podcast. And he has been on our podcast before. Last year? I think it was two yeah, years ago. Tw- uh, at, at some point, ha- Maxwell has been on at our this podcast. Point, probably 2018 might have been the yeah, last time. I would oh, say God, 20. That was two, okay. Before I moved. Yeah, yeah, so like a year and a half ago, Maxwell was on our podcast. So we've already done his tarot. He does not get another tarot reading. Instead, oh, thank goodness, because I'm terrified. Uh oh. You're tarot fine. Didn't we give you a good tarot reading? We did. You, you yeah. did. You did. It was but. on the cusp of you moving to Australia. Yeah, and it was too. like you're about to go through a big change, but don't worry, it's going to be you're fine. You're like, I'm moving to Australia. And we were like, haha, your tarot reading says it's great. Instead <laughs> of doing that, we're going to play Cryptid Husband. Oh, I. We have a little cutie catcher. <laughs> And we're going to go through it with Maxwell, and whoever comes up, that's his cryptid husband. I'm excited. Can cryptid husband ready? get me citizenship? I guess if it's an it Australian cryptid. It depends on where the cryptid husband is from. Okay. We, we, but, can, we can say the cryptid husband lives in Australia. Sure. I mean, but then, you know, for most of them, they're going to be immigrants as well, so that's yeah, not really going to help true. him. But let's say naturalized immigrants. Okay. Naturalized okay, that's cryptids. fine. Okay. They're naturalized cryptid Australian citizens. All right. Gray, orange, white, or black? Gray. One, two, five, or four? Two. One, two, five, or four? Five. Oh, that's spooky. I was thinking five, too. <gasps> You're gonna marry El Chupacabra. Oh, awesome. Um, you could well, do a lot worse. I hope that he makes Puerto Rican slash Mexican, because Chupacabras are both areas food. So that's Ooh. kind of a win. That's true. That's we know he's probably a good kisser. I uh, almost said something inappropriate, but I, I stopped almost myself. Said, I was like, ooh. Yeah. Spicy. So that's, a, that's a win. That's a spicy chupacabra. Yeah. I think that's a win, Maxwell. It is. Congratulations. We look forward to getting your chupacabra save the date. <laughs> I wonder what that wedding will look like. Probably very bloody. Probably a lot of a lot of mutton on the menu. If you invite goats, it's going to be bloody, but otherwise <laughs> I think you'll be okay. Anyway. Fresh goats on the menu. Mmm. Mm. Fresh goat. Mm. Did, Did anything spooky happen to... Any of Someone. Us. Who wants to go first? Maxwell is our guest. Maxwell, did anything spooky happen to you this week? I feel like... Well, I've been home a lot, so... Um, <gasps> spooky! Yes, actually, something has... So, uh, for the last couple of nights, weird things with the roof have been happening. Ah, so, like, I, I heard, like... What sounded like someone, like, walking around, and I... Uh, so I, my room is directly above, it's just the roof, there's nothing else. But the way that houses are set up here, they're all kind of like, te- uh, not tenement houses, um, townhouses, so they're all pressed up against mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed it was from someone from next door. But like, there was a sound of what I could describe as chittering, which is never good. And something being on the roof, like legitimately, like at first I thought it was like, oh, something just like like a tree or something landed, and then I heard things and I looked up, 
and I just I could see where the sound was coming from it was from the corner of the room mm. of the roof and it lasted for a while and it sounded like some sort of animal I still don't know what it is but it, I've been hearing sounds the last couple nights and then last night I was just kind of like lying awake in bed because I think I had drank some chai tea too late so I was like oh no like, I was like just oh, awake I just want to yeah. sleep and I like happened to look up and I saw this like flash, like a spark in the corner of the room, which I'm pretty sure was just like static electricity, but it's also really humid. Mm. Do you know how when you're in the dark and you can see like the spark of static electricity, if like you have like a wool blanket yeah. or something, it was kind mm. of like that, but really intense and bright. And it was enough mm. that it was like, I definitely, that wasn't out of the corner of my eye that actually happened. And so. Localized UFO. Yeah. yeah like just to my room. <laughs> so, and like Ooh. I have a skylight and my biggest fear, and I haven't had, cause I've had some really intense nightmares, but I've always been afraid of having like a sleep paralysis nightmare where I'm looking at my skylight and like oh. aliens look in or like something like creepy and (laughs) sleep paralysis demon-y looks in. I've always been scared of skylights for that reason. Skylights don't bother me. Yeah. During the day, they don't bother me. Yeah. At night, night, it's a different story. I will say, so when you started talking about the skittering, our friend Christy, who was on our podcast in our Cats episode a long, long time ago, who lives in Sydney, she had something similar happen to her, and then all of a sudden she got wet because there was a possum on her roof, peeing through a tiny hole it found, and it emptied its entire bladder on her in the night. <laughs> oh no! So, so again, Australian possum, not American possum, so but still cute, ter- terrible. But still peeing on her, so maybe less cute. Oh, that's that's unfortunate and very Australian. <laughs> so you're gonna have a sleep paralysis nightmare where you wake up and, and a possum's possum gonna open your skylight. That is a very Australian you. experience. It sure is, and that's how Christy knew she was home. Australia, <laughs> the place where everything can kill you or, or pee, pee on, on you. you or both. Who's to say? Yeah. Dasha, did anything spooky happen? No, not. I mean, the sleep paralysis thing reminded me of like just another thing that happened last weekend during the um, scary video game night. Yes, where we were talking about like how do you sleep and Mm -hmm. like just going around the table and because one of Jack's friends' wives just had a baby, or his wife had a baby, and so they were talking about like keep yeah that scary that is the scariest thing of all having a baby at our age but talking about like oh she has to sleep on her back like has she slept through the night yet that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and we were like well as adults you know who sleeps on their back and one of our friends sleeps on his stomach because he can't sleep on his back if he sleeps on his back he gets sleep paralysis really bad Um. and like is scared every time he sleeps on his back and i was like that's the worst experience but i fell asleep on the couch yesterday afternoon and had like multiple of those like falling feelings oh yeah and that usually there's doesn't a, happen to me that. yeah yeah oh, I hate and that. it it hasn't happened to me in so long and i had like felt like i was falling three different times Oof. in like a one hour afternoon nap i was so angry <laughs> so that was like the spooky <laughs> thing that happened to me was that i was like falling in my sleep it's called a hypnic jerk Hypnic or jerk. a hypnagogic jerk. Well, you the hypnagogic hypnic jerk, jerks. The hypnic jerk is a jerk, and I just want to take a nap because I teaching is exhausting. It's the end of the term right now. Yeah, and I just want to sleep and not do grades. So, uh, how about you, Courtney? Well, did you have you you pull up a photo on your phone? I did because I've had a very spooky week, which mm-hmm. is remarkable because we recorded like three days ago. So you wouldn't think that much spooky shit had happened to me, but so much has. So it started on Monday after we recorded. 
I heard a lot of crowd noises and I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I look out the window and there was a full murder of crows. Look how many fucking crows oh, were in my backyard. Oh, I- and there were more. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And there were more flying around. So I- oh, shit ton of crows. Cursed. There was a huge you're murder on the. I'm. <laughs> You know the street, you've been to my house, when you yes. drive past the park before you turn into, like, actually yes. the street, it was all crows all the time yesterday. Oh, we're both cursed. Yeah. Great news. They started here and went to there. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, that kicked things off all proper. Second, this, well, we'll end on this. There's two silly ones. We'll end on the silliest one. So, my coworker that I co-parent the skeleton with. Indiana Bones. His name is Indiana Bones. She is his other mom. We are raising him as best we can. And so yesterday she comes back to her desk, apropos of nothing, and goes, one of these days I'm going to kill you. And then there was a long pause. And I go, I understand. I'm, I'm a lot. I, I get that. That's fine. <laughs> and then she started laughing and she goes, I'm so sorry. I was looking to see if you had your headphones on. And then I took a really long pause to determine if you had heard me and did not complete my thought. What she had meant to say was every time she goes to the bathroom, she wheels her chair back along our shared wall because we're against a wall, our two cubes. So if I were to walk into the corridor, I would have to cross over her chair. And she's her thought was one of these days I'm going to kill you by leaving my chair here because you're going to trip and fall and die. But instead, she just announced, one of these days, I'm going to kill you. That's so funny. <laughs> At least she gave you a heads up. Yeah, I was like, honestly, I, respect. I was going to say, my first thought was, because your office, is, your building is haunted. It's super haunted. I thought that, like, something possessed her and was like, <laughs> the ghost I'm was going like, I'm to kill you. you. I'm going to talk about a little of that later in my... Here's a little sizzle. There's some of that in my story. And then the final spooky thing that happened to me is just a dumb one. You may have noticed it. I don't know where the sun was when you drove into the neighborhood. But someone is trying to summon something towards the entrance of my neighborhood. And they can't be summoning anything good because they have two bags of garbage and three toilets. Yes. I was going (laughs) to ask you about that. And I got uh, derailed. Am I the asshole asshole that I sent you? Yeah. Yeah, When I drove into the neighborhood today, I, you know, I used to live with Courtney. And so I took the same path home that I always took home last school year. And... Yeah, it's just like... It's just like two bags of garbage and like three toilets. Like full toilets. We're not talking just like toilet pieces. What's happening? Full toilets. There's just toilets on the side of the road. Yeah. Someone's trying to summon me. Ah! Is that how we get you back to America? Is we summon you from the two bags of garbage (laughs) and three toilets? To be very clear, because of the garbage, not because of the toilet. I don't want to give anyone the wrong (laughs) idea. I I thought I counted more than two bags of garbage. It was there like might be. it's like there's a lot going on. It's there. a significant. Do we pile know it's in shit. the bags of garbage? I don't want to. No, check. I do not pull over to root through someone else's well, garbage. I'm not a raccoon. I feel like I am a raccoon, but it's not for either that reason. Someone being an asshole and dumping where they shouldn't be dumping. Yeah, because it's like marshland parkland yeah. right there. But then the other thing is, I'm not going to go check because what if it's a body? What if it's a body? It could be multiple bodies. Usually my thought process starts and ends with, is that toilet mint green? And it is. So then I'm oh, like, weird. That toilet is <laughs> And then cursed. I keep driving. That toilet yeah. was evil one the was moment like it was mauve. born. Yeah, oh, one yeah. is mauve, one is mint green, and one is white. So I've studied the toilets extensively, and then I don't really progress to the bags of garbage because I'm so fixated on the toilets. It's like a weird, perverted fairy tale where it's like the green toilet, the mint <laughs> toilet does this enchantment, the mauve toilet does this enchantment, and the white one, oh, you don't want to know what that one does. 
It's an yeah. alternate version of Goldilocks of the Three Bears. Yeah. This toilet is too big. This toilet is too small. When I flicked my head over just a second ago, I thought I saw the cat on the armrest and there was nothing there. Great. This is already going to be a terrifying this episode. This is how we die. Because I'm then talking my about ter- that I co-parent, the, My coworker that I co-parent the skeleton with is going to come up and be like, I told you I was going to kill you. And this and is how it dark. ends. Like, where's the cat? Like, now I feel unsafe. Anyway. <laughs> I will tell you what it was. I adjusted and my blanket moved. Oh, okay. Thank God. And oh the blanket gosh. is a similar color it's to the cat. It's a similar color to the cat. Because it does, the brown part is have a big cat on it. Okay, good. So, just all right. to make sure. Oh God. What are we talking about this week, you guys? Other than how dead we all are going to be by the end of this. Oh, oh, I know. We're going to be talking about haunted slash spooky treasure. Because that's what my podcast is about. And I'm the guest. And I get to Yay! say what we do. So, yeah. Woo! It's true. Maxwell is the boss of us. That's I didn't I didn't have an introduction prepared for this. Please take it away. <laughs> so we're gonna be doing spooky treasures. So we're just gonna take a look at. I believe we each have one story of something spooky that may or may not be a treasure. So one of the options that was given to me was the mysterious treasures of Father Crespi. And I was like, ooh, titillating. It's religion and it's treasure. Um, <laughs> Who and, doesn't like religion and treasure? Um, the pitch was a beloved Ecuadorian priest, renowned for his charity, begins receiving unusual artifacts from grateful parishioners. At first, artifacts are seemingly from the nearby remnants of pre-Columbian civilizations in the area, but things take a turn when he begins receiving relics from ancient cultures on the other side of the planet and hears rumors of unearthly repositories uh, said to exist in the jungles. So I was like, oh yeah, hell yeah, this is going to be great. Does that pitch sound familiar to you, Maxwell. Yeah, it does. Weird. It's still... I mean, he wrote it. Yeah, you wrote it. It should. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it still is an interesting story, but I was expecting more, like, mystery. Because we just did a whole thing on, like, Aztecs. Yeah. And some of the mysteries surrounding that. But I think one reason why this isn't as mysterious is because Father Crespi died in the 80s. Oh. So, like, it's still a pretty, like recent like 20th century thing and like less magical i guess because it's more recent because it's neon and i'm gonna probably be doing a future episode on this and the other kind of pseudo lost treasure that ties into this figure the treasures themselves are fascinating it's just more like one of the sources i found was like a bunch of us went on an expedition to try to figure out what happened to this, and... We did not succeed. Well, they succeeded in some regard, uh. and it was like, aww. <laughs> Father Cre- Carlos Crespi Croci was born in Milan, Italy in 1891 and died in 1982. 1982. So, so he had a nice long life. He was a Celsian monk who dedicated his life to worship and charity and lived in the small town of Cuenca in, in Ecuador for more than 50 years. He was an educator, a botanist, an anthropologist, a musician, and he was a humanitarian. So, like, through his religious work, he basically provided, like, intense humanitarian efforts in which he set up, like, an orphanage, educational facilities, assisted the impoverished, gave food and money to people. He basically just, like, took care of everyone because he cared for them deeply. And through his missionary work, he became close to the indigenous people of Ecuador and actually ended up becoming like a highly respected member of the community who considered them a true friend and not just like some European who showed up. And so even like 
in the like contemporary era, there's a statue of him helping a young child that's still in the square in front of the church of Maria Auxiliadora. And local people who are old enough to have known him like still share stories about his intense charitable efforts. So he's like still a very well-known person. And the city itself has been trying to work with the Vatican to have him recognized as a saint oh, because oh, he's made wow. like that much of an impact on the community. Yeah. He has to have done at least one miracle too because otherwise you don't get sainthood. Right. But yeah. like they love him enough. They'll probably be like... And, and then it was a miracle, miracle how good his potato salad was. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, they're Italian. That, that's yeah. probably good enough for them that the food is that good. You know? yeah. Damn. That's true. Now I want Italian and potato salad. Every food Fuck. I've okay. mentioned on this episode, you've suddenly been like, I need this right now. Sasha is very malleable and we're a little hungry right I'm, now. I'm very hungry. I will be surprised if the mic doesn't catch my stomach growling. And then he also had like a deep personal interest in the tribes themselves in about their culture and traditions. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, again, like he wasn't this guy who was coming in and being like, fuck your traditions. I'm a white Worship person. Worship my God. Right? Yay. Um, but he, uh, a lot of people also often speak of his dedication to a life of voluntary poverty and often sleeping on the floors of the homes sleep- belonging to indigenous people with only a blanket and, you know, like kind of couch surfing, I guess, to stay with within the community. So it's interesting that he has a treasure because he's a person who's like so devoted to a life he of poverty. on a floor. Didn't he use some but, of that treasure to buy a bed? So the treasure comes from actually the people he served. The real treasure As, was the people I served a lot. Yes. So as like tokens of thanks, a lot of these people in the community would actually bring him like heirlooms and artifacts from all over Ecuador and beyond that were representative of works of basically all the different indigenous cultures across the region. And so there were like metallic carved plates and, you know, tchotchkes and pieces of gold and, you know, like things that... (laughs) Things that they thought, like, held value yeah. and lo- lots of, like, pieces of bone that are carved and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, cre- no matter what the gift was, how big or how small, you know, Crespi always showed gratitude. Mm. And the interesting thing is that some of these artifacts that he received had seemed to have, that he believed, had a connection between the ancient civilizations of Babylon and Sumeria. And mm. that's... That's not supposed to be in Ecuador. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, like, that there were symbols on some of these artifacts that had basically representations of things that should have been older than, like, the like biblical flood period. Oh. And so they were like, what are these gifts then? So over time, Father Crespi acquired more than 50,000 objects. Oh, my and gosh. Many of which... Yeah, right. So many objects. That were kept in the courtyard of the church, Maria Auxiliadora, until the Vatican gave him permission to start a museum himself to house the collection. And until the 1960s, it was the largest museum in Ecuador, but it was Ooh. unfortunately destroyed in 1962 in a fire. Oh. Um, along with a lot of the artifacts themselves. Was it a mysterious fire? I don't is know. Is there any I, other kind? I, yeah, is there any other kind? <laughs> it's probably a mysterious fire. They they did try to recover some of the artifacts, even the ones that, you know, survived the fire, and they were moved to, some say, maybe the cellar archive of the Maria Auxiliadora, or sold to private collectors, or shipped off to the Vatican, 
Or... <laughs> I mean, there were 50,000 of them. They had to yeah. make a bunch of plants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or hidden in subterranean tunnels in the jungles of Ecuador that span Ooh. more than 200 kilometers, starting from the village of uh, Cuneca. That's a good one. So... Because these amazing artifacts given to him had uncanny similarities with, like, civilizations of the East and were enough to fill up a large museum, it was like, this is something significant, right? There's some Mm. mystery surrounding this. So even though a lot of them were destroyed in the fire, it was like, how did they show up? And then also, in the first place, but also, where are they now? Mm. Like, those are, like, the biggest mysteries. Yeah, because there's, like, photos of them in the 60s of, like, weird, like, Babylonian, Sumerian-looking, like, kind yeah. of Hammurabi's Code-esque things. And then yeah, was... people went to the museum, like, a year ago, and they asked about it. And they're like, why don't we talk about something else? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. really, oh, that's not, there's something shady going on here. Right. Like, there's there's documentary video from, like, the 60s and 70s of some of these artifacts mm-hmm. and, like, photographs from even earlier. They exist. It's confusing <laughs> because it's, like, where were these things from? Right. But the interesting thing is, like, the ones that are the most remarkable are the ones that have all the mystery around them. But the ones that are, like, less remarkable are still a really good catalog of, like indigenous culture Mm. of the area. So some of the weirdest ones were described as Babylonian in style and carved in gold with strange motifs and symbols that did not resemble anything from the archaeological record to any South American culture. And then some of the plates that that were in the collection showed a type of ancient writing. But as far as the researchers from ancientorigins.net said that they couldn't find any records of them being translated. Richard Wingate, a Florida-based explorer and writer, visited Father Crespi in the mid-70s and photographed the extensive artifact collections. This is, again, before he passed away. Described it as more than $1 million worth of dazzling gold and much silver, but the hard money value of the hoard is not its the money worth. It's more of like that, oh my god, these are like, this is just the massive size of this collection. But it's also the strangest collection, and the value is more in the historical questions it poses, not so much the financial Mm. value. Neil Armstrong, like that Neil Armstrong, was a member of the 1976 British military scientific expedition in search of the caves in Ecuador, but ended up in the wrong caves. Did he end up in caves on the moon? No. How'd I get back here Um, again? And then, it's like, wait a minute, this looks... Oh, damn it, I'm on the moon. Yeah, and they were following the directions of a Swiss, basically, ancient author named Eric von Duncan. <laughs> is it von Daniken? Yeah. yeah, von Daniken, yeah. Oh, this is where... This is this is guy is the reason why we have ancient aliens. Like, this... No, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. This, like, really? This is, yeah. He's ground zero, ancient aliens guy. He's the one who coined... <laughs> He's, yeah. this is it. This is the guy who He's came up guy. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And so Danikin, like, said that, oh, these tunnels are in Ecuador or whatever, and then these <laughs> British explorers and Neil Armstrong ended up, like, in the wrong place. <laughs> There's another <sighs> controversial theory saying that the treasure that's hidden in the caves is somehow related to Atlantis. Sure, that makes sure, sense. Sure. <laughs> Nothing else has worked. Atlantis. Going back to Danikin, he claimed that an aristocratic Argentinian-Hungarian entrepreneur named Juan Morquiz discovered a series of tunnels in the Teos Caves of Ecuador that contained a metal library. 
and numerous golden artifacts that were the artifacts given to Crespi. But then um, he forgot where it and was. And then Duncan also claimed that these artifacts, again, the ones that everyone's been looking for, were created by a lost civilization with help from extraterrestrial beings, yep, ancient there aliens. We go. There it is. So ultimately, <laughs> in the mid 20 teens, ancientorigins.net went on an investigation along with Dr. Ionis uh, Sirigros, who had moved to Kikena, Ecuador, and also visited uh, by researchers Hugh Newman, the founder of megalithomania.co.uk, and Jim Vieira, who has been on several History Channel programs. They were able to verify the following. One, Father Crespi's collection is not missing, but purchased by the Central Bank of Ecuador and is just stored in the museum vaults now. Weird, but okay. So that's probably why they were like, let's not talk about that right now. A bank doesn't own our things. The majority of Crespi's collection does consist of authentic and valuable artifacts gathered from around Ecuador. So, like, they were verified Mm -hmm. as being Ecuadorian. And then the so-called metallic library that was mentioned by Danikin was nothing more than just modern-day carvings on cheap metals. Oh. But again, the questions that they couldn't answer were, where are the artifacts that were filmed in the 1970s consisting Mm -hmm. of the gold carvings, hieroglyphs, and Sumerian figures? Why aren't they in any of the Central Bank of Ecuador or the museum's storage rooms? Were they authentic, or was it just bullshit? Mm -hmm. And if they were authentic, what's their significance? If they weren't authentic and just, like, handicrafts made by the local people who just wanted to give him something, Mm -hmm. then, like, why isn't that significant? And then they said that no one at the Universidad Politecnica Salazenia, um, the Church of Maria Auxiliadora, or the Central Bank Museum were able to answer any of those questions. So basically, the credibility of Father Crespi, the credibility of his collection is not under doubt. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's still just so many questions. Hmm. And so that's why I was saying it was anticlimactic. I was like, oh, I didn't get an answer. (laughs) Does that make it all the more climactic? Yeah. Yeah. When you said, because the first indication that I knew something was up here was when you said from, he got all these artifacts from Ecuador and beyond. I'm like, "Mm, how beyond is beyond? Yeah. And then it was like the other side of the goddamn world. (laughs) Well, because so their destination, uh, exploration unknown, whatever the Josh Gates show that, you know, I'd love. They did one where they went to the that cave system to try to find the metal library. And they Um. found like a really beautiful natural room that the way that. The wall, like the moisture and the water, ran down the 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 wall, and like the the way that like the the natural formation mm-hmm. of the cave looked, it almost could look reflective, kind of. So, like one of the theories was that the person who found mm. that cave system, he thought that it was natural, it, like it was. He thought it was unnatural because the way that the the rocks cleaved, like yeah. the, just kind of the geology of it, like looked like it was carved, mm-hmm. and so that oh. was kind of like a big debate. But then he, Josh Gates, I think at one point, and I might be wrong, I proposed that maybe he thought it was metal because it looks reflective. Mm-hmm. So it looks kind of like almost like hieroglyphs, but then when you oh, when yeah. you look up close, it's just kind of like natural cracks and indentations uh-huh. in the wall, water and yeah. stuff. Yeah, it reminds me of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, where they're in like the final, the, mm-hmm. the final area where it's they see yeah. all of these artifacts from around the world, and it's because of the aliens were are were archaeologists essentially, and they were taking all these pieces given to them from all these cultures around the world and like housing it in one one place and so that's why all these disparate Mm -hmm. 
civilizations were represented in one chamber because it's aliens. So that's what I kept thinking of when you were saying, oh, why are the, why are the, why do they have Babylonian artifacts here? Yeah, my, my biggest theory is that it was just a coincidence. It was like Father Crespi got these metal plates as gifts from the people, mm-hmm. but it was just their art or like their doodles, and it was like his, like, he willed it to be Babylonian. He like hyped he looked it at up it and then was like Babylonian. Well, he like from what he his oh. idea of what Babylonian stuff looked like oh, or what the art okay. like. So he might have just been mistaken, mm-hmm. or someone else was like, "Oh yeah, that seems kind of Babylonian," and mm-hmm. so he like had it. Like he was just like, "Oh yeah, that then that must be right," you know. Yeah. But then that's a mystery. So I think it, it it's not that all these people are like not credible these artifacts are not like valid Mm -hmm. but it's just more like i think it's just a coincidence and like people wanting to see what they want to see kind of thing counterpoint counterpoint what if the people bringing crespi the gifts are actually a race of ancient aliens who discovered a series of secret tunnels through the earth (gasps) and they went to babylon got some shit came back and were like hey father cool guy look what we got you and he was like whoa you guys are rad it's almost like you're aliens and they were like ha 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 almost that would be really interesting because it's like aliens taking on the guise of like humble ecuadorian remote villagers it's like no one's gonna find them they're living their life studying. Exactly. Like, they're, in they're hiding in plain sight. You know, like, the oh. Hanging Gardens of Babylon? Like <gasps> they did that, thing. too! So they did that, and then... And then they took some shit. They were like, you're welcome. They did that. They took some shit. They abandoned it. When they were like, yeah, this experiment's, like, not working anymore. Or, like, let's go do something new. I and, don't really like gardening. Yeah, <laughs> let's go somewhere else. And, like, oh, South America is oh, lush look, and green and tunnel. has all this stuff. We don't have to do anything. Like, everything grows for us. Great. Great. Wow. We cracked it wide open, guys. There we go. You heard Love it here first. New theory. <laughs> the, the Gardens of Babylon disappeared because the aliens wanted to go to Ecuador. They did. And they were like, ugh, I don't want to keep watering these plants. <laughs> I love that story because it's largely victimless. Like, it's like an ostensibly good Catholic priest. When does that ever happen? Um, Villagers, Mm. you know, people just kind of like, no one's really dying. It's kind of, you know. Nobody got massacred. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, colonialism, but besides that. They they got massacred, but in this specific story, nobody got massacred. Father Crespi did nothing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Literally the only white man who can say that in South America at the time. Uh huh. Well, my story takes place in. South America as well in a similar Ooh. actually it's the same it's in Ecuador so oh. we're going to stay in the same country it's the same ancient aliens <laughs> calling it now so the missing gold of King Atahualpa who's the Incan mm. king the last one arguably uh, is said to be haunted and cursed all who go looking for it die in the same way and locals refuse to tread near certain places said to be guarded by vengeful ghosts in order to protect the gold. Now, this story was covered in, I believe, episode 12 of Relic, but I'm happy to always talk about treasure, whether I've done it before or not. Boom, bitch, you drew it oh, for us. Oh, that's right. I gave you the... <laughs> so I... King Atahualpa's cursed gold. We have a picture of it. We'll post that's it on the Instagram. So yes. And in the back, it says, thanks for having me on your show, Max. Missing since 1533. Spoilers. You're not getting another one because I don't want to have to ship that halfway across the world. Coward. Uh, so enjoy <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I, so just, again, not a visual medium. When I was on we'll Spoop Hour the first time, 
I always do thank you, or I did thank you cards for when I was in the States for any podcasters mm-hmm. I collaborated with, where I would draw one of the treasures and give that to them. So I guess I, that's everything comes full circle because I forgot you that I so did that. You are so cute. I love it. When he, as soon as you, I saw the Inca thing, I was like, I bet he's forgotten the drawing. I and did. And I remember just now that I wanted to show you the drawing as a reminder. Way to <laughs> subtly call me out. Uh, it's in the middle so of the podcast. I love it. So thank you. We're going to start in the middle it of the It comes from a story. place of love. I don't mean to call you out. I just mean to be like, this will be a fun surprise for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so the setting is Ecuador. The year is 1887. We're focusing on the region known as the Yanganates, I believe is how you pronounce that, because it's the double L. And I don't speak Spanish, but I'm doing my best. So this is miles and miles of sprawling, lush rainforest that extends upwards into the mountains, 8,500 feet above sea level. And these regions are perennially clouded in dense mist. So the landscape abounds with beauty and mystery and a touch of the ancient, a specific Mm. kind of old world feeling that some might describe as unsettling, like you're not supposed to be there. So in fact, many of the local villages throughout the region refuse to enter the forests at all. So an English botanist named Richard Spruce is in search of (laughs) the cinchona tree, which is already funny because his last name is a tree and he's looking for a tree. That's why I laughed. Sorry, I'm not an asshole who laughs at people looking for stuff. (laughs) Now, Sasha or Courtney, what important medical resource comes from cinchona bark? And did you play the Amazon trail when you were kids? Aspirin? No. I don't Mm. think so. No, you're right. Aspirin is willow bark. My bad. Please don't the, at me. Yeah, what the is answer it? is qu- quinine, I believe, or qu- quinine, quinine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is Important used to treat- in the treatment of malaria. Yes. yes. It's also the ingredient in tonic water that makes gin and tonics glow under black light. Less important because Gross. that won't really save your life. Arguably so the, more important to Sasha based on the face I, she just made. I, I do love a good gin and tonic. <laughs> oh, me too. It's like my go-to. So this is an important ingredient because it's the twilight of the British Empire. And a lot of the recently colonized spaces are places where malaria is prevalent. So they're trying to find like, it. Man, I, I would kill for a gin-based cocktail. <laughs> so, I don't know what. Also not to but die. But I'd love one anyway so while richard (laughs) spruce is looking for this chinchona bark he comes into possession of a mysterious treasure map that is said to have been once owned from a spanish soldier who lived in the 1500s this soldier had married the daughter of a local village priest who practiced the traditional belief system in that area and as part of the arrangement she shared with him ancient knowledge of where to find a stockpile of ink and gold because he was very poor He's very good, but very poor. So she, the daughter of this priest led him to this cache or cache. I don't know how you say it. I don't speak French. Hidden in the jungle. And he took a small fraction of it, which was enough to make him very rich. He ended up financing his way back to Spain. And on his deathbed, he drew out the map and instructions to find the gold. Now, the Spanish love them some gold. So King Carlos V. Like the Spanish, yes. King Carlos V, who was the king of Spain, the Holy Roman Empire, had the map turned into a bunch of copies. And then he handed them out to a lot of his explorers and captains who were going to be in that area. So Richard Spruce looks into these legends. And here's the story of like the Spanish king replicating all these maps, which I think is how he got one. Mm-hmm. And he soon realizes that the people in the area are convinced the gold is cursed and any outsiders who go in search of it either don't come back or they die in the same way. 
So long story short is Richard decides to be smart and doesn't go and go looking for it, but he publishes his findings. And these findings are start to attract a lot of explorers, including a Canadian lieutenant named George Chapman and a ship captain named Bart Blake. So they sail to Ecuador to find the treasure. And right from the get-go, bad things start happening. Their ship is wrecked on the coast of Guayaquil, which is the largest city in Ecuador. And they decide that while it's being repaired, they'll go into the jungle and looking for the gold. So they go into the jungle, and that's the last time people hear for them for a while. Oops. Oh, but for a while. Oh. So Blake emerges from the jungle weeks later alone, and he says that Chapman simply vanished into the jungle. Uh Oops. Yeah. However, Blake had successfully located the Incan gold, and he actually gives us the best description of the hoard. So quote, it is impossible for me to describe the wealth that now lays in that cave marked on my map, but I could not remove it alone, nor could thousands of men. There are thousands of gold and silver pieces of Inca and pre-Inca handicraft, the most beautiful goldsmith works you are not able to imagine, life-size human figures made out of beaten gold and silver, birds, animals, corn stalks, gold and silver flowers, pots full of the most incredible jewelry, golden vases full of emeralds. So it's a treasure. Yeah. I will say. Oh, yeah. That's a vault. Yeah. Like, I'm not really a gold person. Like, I don't have it in me to, like, risk my life to go treasure hunting. But when you were reading off that haul, I'm like, mm. this is tempting, mm. I will say. Because, like, some of those things, I'm like, I would love to see a gold flower. That sounds very pretty. <laughs> it reminds me of the Cave of Wonders from Aladdin. Yeah. So so Blake sends a letter to Richard Spruce letting him know that he found it and he hops on a boat bound for America. But Mm -hmm. on board, his behavior is super weird and creepy. His shipmates start getting suspicious of him and they're also weirded out by the fact that their captain, Chapman, never came back out of the jungle alive. So there's gossip that Blake may have killed him in order to keep more of the treasure for himself or perhaps something more sinister had changed Blake. Regardless, not long after the ship sets out, Blake falls overboard. Some say (gasps) he's... mm -hmm. Some say he's pushed, and one account has has a shipmate coming across Blake while he's, like, going around his business on the boat, and, like, he's just... Blake is just standing there in this trance-like state, staring out into the sea... And then he simply steps off the boat and falls overboard. Now do you see why I chose this treasure for this episode? Yes. Also, I'm vaguely recalling the Relic episode about this one now. And also, I had a nightmare once where I don't even... This is the first time I ever talked about it because it horrified me so much. But in it, I watched someone close to me essentially do that. We were on a bridge and they just stepped off. And in the nightmare, it was so horrible that I woke myself up crying and, like, so I could only imagine it happening to these people on this well, ship. So what I thought of was, you know the movie Master and Commander? Yes. Yeah, so I think at some point after, like, there's the curse and everything, there's a one of the people on the ship, like, ties a weight to himself and then drops into the water. There's um, a curse in Master and Commander? I never saw it. Curse, but, like, there, there's, like, bad, <laughs> there's, like, bad luck or, like, something, and someone, like, blames himself for it, and so he, like, ties something to, like, a weight to himself and, like, throws himself overboard. But you just see him looking up at the camera, like, falling into the water. That image has haunted me for so long. I ne- didn't even see the whole movie. I just, like, walked in. I think, like, my parents were watching part. it. Like, they rented it back when DVDs were rentable from Netflix. Yeah. 
And I walked in like halfway through the movie, didn't know what was happening, and then I saw that, and that has like haunted my dreams. So that was how I imagined that scene. I, oh, just God. a heads up, it gets worse, and there's a okay. lot of this kind of like blank face nonchalance. Then something terrible Ooh. and like horrific Yay. happens. I'm excited um, for this to get worse. <laughs> on a lighter note, the only thing I remember from Master and Commander from when my parents rented it from Netflix, the DVD company, <laughs> is there's a part with like. There are two weevils here. This one's kind of big. This one's a little bit smaller. Which one do you choose? And he's like, I pick the bigger one. And he goes, oh, well, we're Navy men. You're always supposed to pick the lesser of two weevils. Uh, 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 they, they had puns in Master of yes. Commander at the far side it's of the It's the only thing I remember from that fucking movie is the joke about the weevils. <laughs> you can Google it. That's, yeah. It's a real thing that happened. They deserve to get lost at sea. <laughs> Shit, did you just say that I deserve to get lost? No, no, no well, they, no. not like, you. You're lovely. You said, it be- you said that because they pun. I also pun. This movie is so much older than I thought it was. It came out <laughs> 2003. in 2003. Yeah. This detour. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about treasure. Sometimes when bad things are coming, we like to talk about anything just else. Just to kind of take the edge off. Got it. Yeah. Weeks later, a friend of Blake's in Boston gets a package from Blake with detailed instructions on how to find the treasure and a very ominous note from Blake that says, if something should happen to me, look for the reclining women. No. Presumably the latter relates to a landmass near the location of the gold and not like actual women in repose. Find some sexy ladies laying down. Mm-hmm. That's them. <laughs> Just they have a nice gold. day and then come back about this treasure thing. <laughs> so you might be asking, why is this treasure deeply cursed? Well, the answer to that, my friends, is colonization. Yay! Ooh. The answer to all curses. <laughs> so the Incan Empire, which is very fascinating and we don't have time to go into that, but the Incan Empire covered a good majority of South America from the Andes region down to the deserts of Chile and Argentina. The Inca are known for their art, weaving, metalsmithing, and architecture, including the famous site Machu Picchu, which, by the way, a few seconds ago, my my sister told me she's going to Machu Picchu what? on a trip. So now I'm really con- Concerned, Machu Picchu is now believed to be an estate for one of their kings or royalty. By the 1500s, the Incans were embroiled in a civil war between two surviving brothers of the dynasty, Atahualpa in the north from the city of Quito and Huascar in the south from the city of Cusco, which just makes me think of uh, the Emperor's New Groove. Emperor's New Groove. In 1521, the gold-hungry Spanish conquistador Francisco Pizarro, that's the double R, that I can't Pizarro. do. The, yes, you thank can't you. roll your R's. I cannot do it to save my life. Interesting. Uh, Neither can my mom. Oh, that's right. Aren't you? Don't you have like Spanish-speaking heritage or Mexican? I am half Mexican. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, but so is my mom, and she can't roll her R's. So, <laughs> so yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Who's to say nothing means anything? <laughs> right. So he comes over in 1521. He decides that the easiest way to get whatever he wants and take over the land and the gold is to pit the sides against each other. So mm. in 1532, Pizarro strikes an alliance with Huascar in return for gold. And troops, but then Huascar is defeated in battle, which complicates things. So Atahualpa, who now rules over the empire entire as the Incan king, he's, you know, very distrustful for all the right reasons of Pizarro. Pizarro sends a message to him so they can meet and negotiate. And when Atahualpa arrives at the negotiating grounds, it's a trap. So most of his (gasps) men are massacred and he's taken captive. No! But Atahualpa is smart. 
and he proposes a ransom. In exchange mm-hmm. for letting him go, he will fill up a room with gold, 24 feet long by 18, 15, 18 feet wide, and fill that room double that much in gold and silver. Oh my God, so, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So they do that, and then Pizarro realizes that the king is probably just going to command his troops to kill him once he's freed. So also he's got, Pizarro has all this gold anyway, so he just turns around and orders Atahualpa's execution by being burnt alive at the stake. Mm. So if we're going to go... If, so if you're Incan and you're going to go through death by fire, that's actually really blasphemous because in that belief system, immolation prevents the soul from crossing over into the afterlife. Oh, so it's considered no. a taboo. So that sucks. I, given that choice, Atahualpa converts to Catholicism because the priest there is trying to pressure him to do so. Oh, so that's he'll a classic be, priest. So this only really gives him the option now to choose his death. It also kind of defeats the purpose of switching religions, but whatever. So he decides to die by strangulation. And supposedly while he's dying, Atahualpa lays a curse on the gold. Good for him. Yeah. I'm kind of on his side here. Yeah. He literally did nothing wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Now, while all this is happening, Atahualpa's trusted general, Ruminafwai, orders the 750 tons of accumulated treasure to be hauled out of the city, which I believe is Quito, and hidden away somewhere in the jungle. And supposedly along with this train of treasure that's being hauled into the jungle is Atahualpa's mummified remains. So that means the gold is probably super protected by an extra layer of cursed mummy. Yeah. Um, so, curses on curses. Yeah, just doubling up, stack, <laughs> stacking those curses. It's so, really about efficiency. Uh, according to the legend, Romanofwai prevent presented the Spanish with a pile of raw kern kernels to represent all of the gold that they had taken away. And he picks one tiny grain up, holds it up to Bizarro and says, this is as much as you're going to be able to walk away with out of all this gold. So, like, the big kind of, like, middle finger to Pizarro. Yeah. Oh, God. So, <laughs> Romanofi is tortured for the gold's location, but he never reveals it. And as he's dying, he says that anybody who goes looking for it is going to be cursed with either an affliction of madness or they would die by being impale- impaled straight through the heart. Ooh. Okay. So we're almost half- spicy. <laughs> yeah, those are good spooky cursed yeah. deaths. So we're almost halfway done here. So we're just kind of, this is sort of just the laundry list of death at this point. So (laughs) while Pizarro is dividing up the treasure, he takes more of it from himself and gets into an argument with one of his associates, Amalgro. So history kind of repeats itself here because as the years go on, the remnants of the Incan kingdom, which have now been conquered, are separated again with Pizarro in the north and Amalgro in the south which kind of mirrors Atahualpa yeah. and Huskar. Mm-hmm. So eventually, Pizarro gets frustrated with his rival and has him assassinated the same way he killed Atahualpa. Amagro's son, however, rises up and leads a secret army to storm Pizarro's fortress under cover of night. The whole castle is soon drenched in blood, Ooh. and then Amagro's son drags Pizarro out of bed and stabs him through the heart. <gasps> That's what you get for being a colonizer. So 
eventually Spain tries to send people to go looking for the treasure after this mess because they realize everything's kind of falling apart. One of these people that goes looking for it is a priest named Father Longo, and he never comes back. And the rumor is he either found the gold and like just lay low out of the Spaniard. <laughs> the only clutches, smart choice, yes. <laughs> or he vanished mysteriously into the jungle. So in the 1700s, a fellow named Atanasio Guzman supposedly finds the treasure just while walking around and makes a map of it, and then he mysteriously vanishes. Oops. The story doesn't really get popularized again until the 1900s when a dubious account mentions a wealthy American banker named only as Colonel Brooks, who decides that a treasure hunt in the Yaganates would make the perfect honeymoon. So he takes his wife and they go into the Write it down. No, (laughs) perhaps not, as we're about to find out. So uh, he takes his wife into the jungle and they are hit by just torrential downpours. Mrs. Brooks catches pneumonia and then dies horribly. And then Mr. Brooks goes insane and has to be institutionalized for the rest of his life. Yeah, see, I'm not doing that. But up until that point, it was so romantic. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) So next up is a guy named Erskine Locke, who did exist. And weird sidebar, I live in a neighborhood of Sydney called Erskineville, so reading this was weird. Ah, spooky. So he was a Scotsman and an adventurer who went to the Yanganates to write a book on the treasure, a book he titled Fever, Famine, and Gold. He spearheaded two expeditions in the 1930s that were apparently both miserable because it's a really tough climate and it's always raining in the jungle and it's just gross and cold and humid and then hot. And you're, yeah, it's a very easy way to catch like... All the disease. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the disease. So his team runs out of food midway through the journey, and then they all catch fevers that are so intense that it makes them hallucinate. Oh. Erskine ends up making it back to civilization, so he does get out of the jungle. However, shortly after he gets back, he just one day abruptly shoots himself and dies. Healthy? Yes. Yay! That's the right... So when I was researching the story, it kept reminding me of The Grudge, the Japanese horror movie, remade terribly. And everyone just keeps like there's got to be a point, yeah, kind of like with the Hope Diamond, where we're just like maybe maybe no one should own it. Yeah, (laughs) we'll just let this one go. And we'll make our own treasure. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically the people go looking for it. They make some sort of tantalizing document to draw more people into it. And they live long enough to leave behind that record and then die. So it kind of... Yeah. Hold on. I think something weird's going on with our connection. (gasps) Oh, no. Oh, no. He disappeared. Maxwell. Also, what was that loud boom? I think it was Connie. Oh, okay. Maxwell. Maxwell. Oh no, he's gone. Oh, the curse got him. Aliens. <laughs> so that was spooky because my computer just died as I was talking about curses. The yes. curse got Maxwell. So we're actually almost at the end of this saga. In 1937, Andres Fernandez Salvador read about the treasure in the LA Examiner. And in the 1950s, he decided to venture off to Ecuador in search of lost gold. And I believe he is from Central America. 
by now people just knew that it was like bad news. It was believed that the treasure itself was guarded by vengeful ghosts of Incan warriors, which kind of just reminds me of like that SNES game Pitfall with like all the yeah. creepy like Incan <laughs> spiritual like skeletal warriors. Yes. They also thought it might be guarded by a demonic dwarf called a duende or el duende, which I are love often him. which are yes, I think you covered him in an episode, oh. right? I don't think I don't, so, but I love the but demonic love dwarf. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> so if we have it, we will. <laughs> so at this point, people were too afraid to even speak the word Yaganates out aloud. And they told Andreas if he went off, no, he wouldn't come back. So he goes and does it anyway. So he's up in the mountains with some local guides. And at one point, he has to clear this chasm, which is kind of like a you know, in the mountain that leads to a drop. So he jumps and clears it. And then one of the guides tries to make it and misses to the point where he slips and he's like literally a cliffhanger, like hanging Long off the, the edge. King. Kind of. So he's dangling there and Andreas is screaming and trying to pull him up. And then he realizes that this guy isn't like trying to like, you know, get up or you know pull himself up at all or help and so he's like what's wrong with you what's going on and he looks down and then he says that the man looked up into his eyes with a blank expression on his face and said come with me come with me we both die Can you imagine if your screen went black at this point? I would shit my pants. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and in, in Andreas Salvador's own words, just as we were about to slip over the edge, I had to push him off. That man oh. wanted to die. <gasps> now, granted, so, we only have his word for it, but like, oh my God. <laughs> That's so, so scary. Andres made repeated attempts after this to find the treasure because he's nuts. Uh, the next time he tried to survey the area with hel- by a helicopter and then the helicopter crashed, but he <laughs> survived and he was stranded in the jungle and was probably going to die until he was discovered by the military. Uh, as of 2020, I'm pretty sure he's still alive. He's very old. Um, he's the coolest person in the world. He's got a black belt in judo. He almost broke the world record on the 100-meter dash. He's a conservationist. And the theory is why he's not dead, in curse logic, is he might have blood ties to the Inca, uh, which is kind of just maybe my theory. Um, and he also might have garnered a favor with the jungle spirits because his family was the one who made the Yaganates region a certified national park and conservation site. Oh. So it's like ghost logic because he protected yeah. them, they'll protect him. Mm-hmm. They're like, um, look, we're not happy about this. He's like immune to it. We'll allow it. Yeah. So he actually knew one of the last documented victims of Atahualpa's treasure. So oh, wow. in 1992, Bob Halt, who's a geologist from Arizona, came down to Ecuador to try to find the treasure. He went into the jungle, and while he was navigating the terrain, he tripped, fell over a log, and was impaled by a jagged branch, which, you guessed it, went straight through his heart. Ah! <laughs> oh, my God. So... Oh. Does it exist? There's a lot of conjecture. Some people think it does. Some people think that the locals would have found it by now. People would have taken it. And then some people think that it was just, you know, covered up by overgrowth. It might have been in like a watering hole. So it's just like the natural mm-hmm. landscape is sort of just hidden it. Um, but people still go looking for it. Uh, yeah. That's and I bananas. guess that is, that is the end of Atahualpa's cursed treasure. 
Damn. Wow. Let's go find it. I'm just no, like, it's not. No. <laughs> Immediate. <laughs> Maxwell and I are like, no. <laughs> wow. Have fun, Courtney. I might have blood ties to the I will, Inca. I will I'll, know where my people I'll come from. I'll carry the mantle of Spoop Hour. <laughs> In my stead. In your stead. <laughs> I just I just like see the meme of kombucha girl with like Courtney's Courtney's uh volunteering to go find the uh Inca treasure. It's like Incan ghosts. Aztec Aztec ghosts. <laughs> yeah. That's that I, I would you probably are, you are. I'd be I'd probably have closer ties to the Aztec ghosts. But anyway, it's hard to say where my family came from. Are you ready to hear about Folly Beach's haunted booty? I am. Yes, I love bear, booty. Bear. Haunted or not. Bear, bear. Booty, I, booty, 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 rocking everywhere. I want to say I didn't get the memo about doing like native South American treasures, but I did. I knew what you were both doing and I still didn't get on board. So <laughs> this all came from follybeach.com, mysteriousuniverse.com and rootsrated.com. Even before you take into account any kind of treasure, Folly Island in South Carolina is haunted AF. <laughs> it started when the original Native peoples... Oh, see, I'm on board. Oh, you got Native... I've got yeah. Native peoples. I forgot about them. No offense to them. I remember Indigenous ghosts killing white people 2020. Whoop, whoop. Oh, God, I hope these do that. They... Mm. So, the original Native people who lived on Folly Island, the Bohickets disappeared during the 1600s. She just did quotation marks with her fingers around disappeared. By disappeared, okay. obviously, I mean colonized to the point of extinction via fighting and disease. Obviously, we all know. Mm-hmm. Like, But they disappeared. Anyway, so they're probably haunting the place. After that, pirates, including, allegedly, Edward Teach, oh. also known as Blackbeard, oh. Used the island as a hideout and home base while uh, pirates terrorized trade vessels using the local waterways because it was a very traveled area. Some people even report seeing Blackbeard's ghost hanging around on Folly Island because he reportedly had a house there until it got blown down during a hurricane. So sometimes Blackbeard's ghost kind of comes to hang out and then it's like, oh, right, I don't have that house anymore. I've heard of Folly Island. (gasps) I just don't remember where, but continue. What state is it? Uh, South Carolina. You may oh, have yeah, done it yeah. on Relic. I got like two thirds of the way into this and I'm like, I might have heard this on a Relic. Tangentially, <laughs> when I did the Legends of the Hidden Temple with Brett Wilson, we covered Blackbeard's Lost Treasure map. Which oh, maybe that's exist. why it sounds like Yeah, and so I might have mentioned it. Anyway, so. Oh, it's Folly now- Island? No, I did this for the Halloween episode. <laughs> no, never mind. <laughs> I actually did this, like, entire in its entire... Sorry. I got a part of the way through it. I was like, this sounds really... Fr- oh, shit! Anyway, we're in it now. In 1832, a passenger ship called the Amelia wrecked near Folly Island when traveling from New Orleans to New York. 120 of the passengers survived the initial crash. Yay! Ooh. And they made it to Folly Beach. Yay! But instead of being rescued by the kind people of nearby South Carolina... Maxwell is shaking his head. They remained there as a kind of quarantine, with some people succumbing to the elements and hunger early on. Oh, God. Eventually, there was a cholera outbreak, and a bunch of people died. Great. Those people now haunt the area as well. Awesome. So this island, super friggin' haunted. Let's go. Great news. It's gonna get even more haunted, and we're still not to the treasure. Oh, my God. The area was also a hotbed for Civil War battles, because South Carolina, obviously. On one side of the island, you have a Union Army hospital. So obviously a lot of people died there, were ultimately buried in unmarked graves. In 1987, construction on the island revealed 14 bodies. 12 were missing skulls and other major body parts. Good! 
All but one had been buried with their shoulders pointing west, which is odd. The bodies had no visible injuries, though. So they were like, these are probably not casualties of war, even though we know there was this Union hospital and a lot of the bodies were in Union garb. So they'd have like Union buttons and Union mm-hmm. accessories, not accessories, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Union swag. And while the heads were missing, most of the other bones were undisturbed. So they ruled out the possibility of bounty hunters because the federal government put out a reward for retrieved Civil War bodies. So some bounty hunters were going around just like collecting skulls, being like, found the bodies, money please. But the bounty hunters weren't super cautious about like not fucking with the rest of the bones. Mm. So if it were them, they were really gentle on these skeletons. Mm. Probably not them. Mm Mm-mm. One possible theory is that local islanders stole the skulls for voodoo. Voodoo. The local islanders. You do. You do. Voodoo. Voodoo. The the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we all quietly go through that together. The scariest theory of all is that a deranged Confederate soldier beheaded his enemies before dumping their bodies into the island. Christ. Haunted, 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 haunted. Now great news, it's even more haunted and there's treasure. Are we all okay? We're all still yeah, with we're good, me. We're good, okay, we're I'm good. just checking. Yeah. I'm Union waiting for sold- my screen to go black again, but okay. <laughs> Ghosts. Union soldier Francis Moore documented some treasure in the region based on the account he heard of a different Union soldier. During the Civil War, Union soldiers were dispatched to move black people from Folly Island to Port Royal in preparation for a Union push into Charleston. This detail has some debate. Some sources say that this happened on Folly Island. Others put it on nearby Morris Island, but because heck it, we're in it now, we're going to say it's on Folly Island and we're just going to go with it. A Union soldier named Yoakum was shuffling people along when he came across an old woman and her child. The woman told Yoakum that she had seen a group of pirates bury six treasure chests near her yard. Hold up, said Yoakum. Tell me more. According to the woman, the pirates had buried the chests between two old oak trees in her yard. But, she warned... That wasn't all that was buried there. Upon digging the holes for treasure, the lead pirate stabbed one of his men and let the body fall atop the chest before the whole lot was buried. So, like, he basically made, like, an instant curse. Like, he's like, Mm -hmm. I've created a ghost to protect this by doing that. Yeah, I I like to think he was stabbing the guy to be like, all right, you got the short stick. Your ghost is going to protect our treasure. But I don't actually know if this was the agreement. He may have also just been like, hey, fuck you, stabbed him and been like, oh, look, we already have a hole. Let's just bury everything. Pirates. Anyway, Yoakum, as all mediocre white men do, only listened to the treasure part and not the terrible murder part with the stabbing and the pirate and the sadness. He asked the old woman if the treasure chests were still there. And the old woman was like, yeah, because nobody dares to go near the oak trees because of the ghost of the pirate that is guarding the treasure. Hello. Once, once again, Yoakum's like, la, 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 I'm white. That doesn't apply to me. Treasure, 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 treasure. Dollar I put signs. My, yeah, yeah. Ghost I put signs. Notes, he had probably already grabbed his shovel at this point and was yeah. just like, let's do this. And not listening to the rules like all mediocre white men, ignored her warning. Oh, good. Instead, he and his buddy, a man called Lieutenant Hatcher, waited until midnight. A good time to dig for haunted treasure. I mean, why not? If you're gonna do it, really just spook it up. Sun's down, it's a little cooler. (laughs) Sun's down, ghosts out. They returned to the old woman's home, found the old oak trees, 
It was a windless night, but as the men started to dig, the trees started to shake and sway as though a storm was approaching. Strong winds buffeted the men, making it nearly impossible for them to move or make any progress. Bolts of lightning streaked across the sky, but no thunder followed. Just lightning. But Yoakum and Hatcher were in it now, and they just continued to dig and dig and dig, and were like, this is going to be great when we get all of our treasure. Just then, a prolonged lightning bolt struck. In the illumination, the men saw they weren't alone. The pirates stood there, watching them. Clear as day. The men dropped their shovels and ran for their lives and never returned to try and claim the treasure. To this day, no one has ever found the treasure. Or if they have, they didn't survive the pirate ghost who watches over the loot year after year after year. And that's the haunted booty of Folly Island. Booty. Haunted. Real fast. Because that's has to haunted. <laughs> that's so, haunted. That's amazing. Maybe I don't want to go looking for lost treasure anymore. Yeah. You do. Just maybe avoid these ones. Right. Other lost treasures, fine. These, maybe we don't. Like the treasure, you're, you know, the money your grandma buried in the backyard. Go yeah. for that Go treasure. Go for that treasure. Yeah. The treasure that a pirate murdered another pirate for. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe we leave that one to the earth. Maybe we just leave that one. We just, you know, we have enough things. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we all feel super cursed now. And in America, it's almost bedtime. So we have to sleep after this. Maxwell has to go through the rest of his day. Thinking about curses. (laughs) So. At least we can sleep this one off. That's true. Maxwell's like, it's a long time for me, friends. Thank you for listening, as always. Maxwell, where can people find you other than in Australia? Uh, you can, so on iTunes or most streaming platforms, uh, uh, my podcast is Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, so please like it. That includes you two, Courtney and Sasha. Uh, I didn't realize just there was Relic, a Facebook the Lost group. Treasure podcast on Facebook. Uh, yeah, and uh, we're on Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash Relic. Was recently interviewed at a radio station here in Sydney, so hopefully that will be, that interview <gasps> will be up. Uh, community radio station, don't get too excited. No, it's still, yeah, it's still so. a radio station. <laughs> um, and we yeah, we're going to hear. Thank you. We're going to have our 50th episode soon ish in the coming months. Hopefully, I've got some exciting things planned. Yay! Yay! On the note of interviews, Sasha and I, I think this week the episode is dropping. Should be. We were interviewed on podcasts we listened to. We had a really great, very long conversation with Jeremy. I'm awesome. excited to see what made the episode because we talked about a lot of shit. <laughs> well, that's awesome. That's yeah. that's really big. Guys, we're really excited I'm, about that. I have no so, idea. This is surprise. <laughs> I forgot to plug it the past couple episodes, but we were really excited and we were really thrilled that he wanted to talk to us about this dumb podcast that you guys also listen to. So thank I you for listening to it. the biggest grin on my face. <laughs> Aww. We're all proud of each I'm other. Proud of you. It's so nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, we are. We should be on all your streaming platforms. You're listening to us. You know this. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Spoop Hour. Spoop with P's, not with K's. Penguins, uh, not kangaroos. Yeah. Nothing. Although, donate. Donate to support those kangaroos and those koalas. Send us a screenshot to spoophour at gmail.com or send pictures of your pets, which I'm really enjoying that we are still getting pictures of people's pets. Send us pictures of your pets. Send us your spooky stories. Send us a screenshot of your donation for Australia. And the Australian wildfire, and we will enter you in to win a Spoop Hour shirt that I will buy you. 
And we will send you stickers for sure. Even if you've already gotten stickers, we'll send have you some more. more goddamn stickers. You'll have so many stickers. <laughs> you can build a house with them. So thank you for listening. Maxwell, thank you for Maxwell, thank you f- Skyping with us. It, this was really fun. We miss it's you. It's always a privilege. Thank you. We got to chat with you more often. We're a big fan. So yeah, everybody yeah. have a good week. Maybe don't go looking for any of these treasures. Or if you do, report back unless you get the really scary one that Maxwell talked about. Maybe don't report back in that case. Because <laughs> best case scenario is still not good. Still not good. So we don't necessarily <laughs> want to hear about it. Hey y'all, Jen and Lindsay here from Corpus Delicti Podcast, here to tell you to check out our show. If true crime is your thing, it's ours too. With a touch of lightheartedness and a dash of southern charm. We cover compelling cases and crack them open for you. Serial killers, hitmen, historical hallmarks, we've got it all and bring you new episodes every Tuesday morning. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most other podcast apps. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter too. That's C-O-R-P-U-S-D-E-L-I-C-T-I. See you Tuesday. I love om- I love almonds. Like I love almonds and almond-based things like marzipan because yeah. I'm Italian and Dutch, so it's just like oh, almonds. Love them. So <laughs> I'd probably be the easiest person to kill. I shouldn't say this on a podcast. What I was the fuck say, is wrong with me? So when I, this when I send you that snack, it smells like almonds because it has almonds in it. You should just eat it and not worry about it. Uh, so, oh, anyways. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm so, not kidding. Anyway. <laughs> the no, no. postage would be ridiculous on also, that murder for package. Cyanide? Yeah. Also, <laughs> customs in Australia is very strict, so that's By not By the gonna... time you'd get it, the thing would be moldy, and then you wouldn't want to eat it anyway, regardless True. of whether or not it had poison in it. Um...